Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. As I already said, I am the discipleship pastor here at Crosswalk, and I have Phil Bischoff with me today. He's a staff minister who is in charge of youth and outreach. And today, as we, we worship it, you can see on this, it says Confirmation Day. The word confirmation literally means to strengthen. And it is, a, nowhere in the Bible, I'll start here, nowhere in the Bible does it say we have to do confirmation. But what the Bible does tell us is we need to teach God's word and we need to confess the truths that we have learned. And confirmation day is a day that we uh, celebrate both. Specifically, there are four students here who have, have gone through study, and, and we are going to give them an opportunity to confess their faith publicly. Phil and I are going to split the message today, because partly I'm here because I'm the discipleship pastor, so we start with them young at, at baptism, and then go all the way through until the Lord takes us home to be with him in heaven. And Phil is a huge part of this with the work he does with the youth. And so I'm going to let him start with the message, and we'll be going back and forth. All right. Go ahead, Phil. Good morning, Crosswalk. Pastor Dan said, I'm Phil Bischoff, the staff minister here at Crosswalk that deals with youth and outreach. And uh, tell you a little bit about what I do in the youth side. Um, when it comes to confirmation, what it really is, it's a two-year class. Okay, so you think uh, a, a 201 or 301 is a long class, 12 weeks. Try two years, right? And the, the kids get into it when they're about uh, seventh grade or so and takes two full school years. And we basically go through almost the entire Bible. And uh, that all culminates to an examination. You four remember that? Uh, not, not too long ago. Sitting at my house with Pastor Dan and for two hours, we're drilling them with questions. About what, uh, about what they learned. And they all did an awesome job, and their parents came. And so, uh, in case you're not sick and tired of me asking questions, you four, I, I got another one to start off with. So, uh, and here's the question. It's real simple. Why are you here today? Not going to make you answer in front of everyone, but you know, if, if uh, they're like, oh no, what am, I, what am I getting into here? But if we could project your thoughts onto the screen... Tech team, can we do that yet? Do we have the capability? No, we don't. Okay, so, but if we could, it might say, Phil, you're an idiot. Uh, it's confirmation, and you told us to be here for the 9 a.m. service. That's why we're here. Did you forget already? But really, why are you here today? And, and the rest of you, I want to ask you the same question. Why are you here today? You might say, you know, it might be for various different good reasons. Maybe you're here to support these four young people. Maybe you're here because of three awesome words. Dunkin' Donuts, baby, right? Out in the patio. Maybe you're checking out church for the first time. Maybe you're trying out Crosswalk. You've been here a little bit. Maybe you're a Crosswalk member. You've been here for a long time, right? Why are you here? And as we look at the theme today, follow me, that question of why am I here when Jesus says follow me plays a real big part in it. And we're going to look at the book of Matthew to help us answer this question. So get out your crosswalk notes, and we're going to start Matthew chapter 9. And I'm just going to read it for you here. It says this, it says, as Jesus went on from there, 
He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So a pretty cool story, huh? Here we have Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus comes up to him and says, follow me. And Matthew gets up and follows him. And then Matthew says, I'm going to throw a party and and bring all my tax collector friends with me. Jesus shows up. And then the Pharisees crash the party. What is Jesus hanging out with these losers for, these tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus stands up for him. Great story, right? But you know what? It doesn't start out that great. I put verse 9 back on the notes, and I put the first part of it. I want you to look at it. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, I want you to underline the words that say Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Because that's where it's not good. Matthew was a tax collector. And let me tell you a little bit about tax collectors. Let's say that you all are Jews, and let's say that I'm Matthew, and, uh, and I'm your tax collector. Okay? Now, uh, I have to get money from you to give to the Roman government. Now, let's say you all owe $100. As a tax collector, what I could do is I could say, hey, Greta, you owe me $300, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. You've got to pay the money over. There's no regulations. You're at the mercy of the tax collector, and I pocket 200 bucks, and I give 100 bucks to the Roman government. That's really what the tax collectors did. Now, what sort of a reputation do you think I would have? Yeah, not a very good one, right? I'm just going to say this. When Matthew was growing up, And people said, so what do you want to be when you grow up? He probably didn't say, a tax collector. Just like how many times do people ask you, what are you going to do after high school and college? I'm going to guess you probably don't say, I'm going to be a liar and a cheater. Right? But here's Matthew, and he's sitting at the tax collector's booth. And you got to think that at some point in his life, he probably thought that question, why am I here? Or I'll rephrase it a little bit. How did I get here? You ever thought that? Have you ever thought that? How did I get here? And and sometimes it's it's those points in our life where where we know we messed up. Because Matthew knew the answer. Matthew had his price. And in this case, money was something more important to him than God and relationships with other people. Matthew had his price. And here's the question. What's your price? What's your price? What is it in your life that you're tempted to put in front of God, in front of your relationship with God? Or let me ask this, and for you four confirmands, this might hit home right now. What would it take for me to give you or to say for you to stand up right now in front of all these lovely people and walk out? Walk out, and by walking out, you'd say, I'm turning my back on my church family, and I'm turning my back on God. What would it take? 
Now, for some of us, it might not take that much. And for other of us might say, I would never. Have you ever gossiped? Have you ever lied? In the past 30 minutes, have you had just maybe a bad thought? The Bible tells us that in those moments, we turn our back on God. And be honest, we're all at the tax collector's booth. Each and every one of us. And by the tax collector's booth, I mean we're separated from God and separated from other people. That's what sin does at its core. It leaves us alone. And to be honest, if we're really honest, we were born at that tax collector's booth. The hospital was set up right there because the Bible says that at the moment of conception, we're separated from God because of sin. So to be honest with ourselves, we're here because, because sin left us alone. And, but, but here's the thing. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So the first reason you're here is because you admit, and you admitted to Pastor Dan and I around that table, that you need Jesus. That you can't do this on your own. That your sin has left you alone. And you know what? If you don't admit that, I just point you to the group of people that Jesus talked to called the Pharisees. And look what Jesus said to them. It's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. You think you're fine and dandy and healthy? Okay, well, I'm just going to go to the sick then. Or he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And that must have made the Pharisees' blood boil. Because they wanted to sacrifice. They wanted to do something. You know what Jesus was saying with that? He was saying, you know, you guys want to follow me? The first thing is to know that you can't. Kind of ironic, huh? I want to follow Jesus. Well, you can't on your own. But that's why Jesus came. So here's our first point. Why am I here today? Sin left me alone. And Matthew stayed alone for a while. What's interesting about this Bible account, it's one of my favorites because it's about a day in Matthew's life that he'll never forget. It's an account written by Matthew about what happened to Matthew. I'll ask a question. Here's another one. Do you think this was the first day that Matthew met Jesus? I'm going to guess it wasn't, and here's why. We don't know for sure, but I'm guessing if this was the first day that Matthew met Jesus, this would have been Matthew chapter 2. But it's not. It's chapter 9. And, and, and that tells me that Matthew at one time had heard about Jesus and, and that this, this person that could possibly be the Christ was around. And so Matthew took time away from his tax collector booth and, and he had an opportunity to hear Jesus. And one of them that's recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is actually a sermon. It starts out by saying that Jesus went up on a mountainside and began to teach. So you know what the sermon's called? The Sermon on... The Mount, the Sermon on the Mountainside. And Jesus started that sermon in a way that no doubt intrigued Matthew because he started talking about a way that you can be blessed by God. 
And that got Matthew's attention because who doesn't want to be blessed? But then Jesus said things like, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. So Jesus is talking about these blessings, but then he starts into a sermon that's basically on the Ten Commandments. And, and as Matthew was listening to these words, they, they obviously stuck in his head because he was writing them down. He remembered the sermon. You've heard it say, do not murder. But I tell you, anyone who says to his brother, you fool, is in the danger of the fires of hell. Holy moly. When, when Matthew heard these words, convicted. Or you've heard it say, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That as Matthew heard these words, they were no, no doubt convicting him in his heart. That when he thinks about it, if those things are sin, how about this tax collecting that I'm doing? Started stirring in his heart. But then, after that sermon, chapter 8 is the best. In the context of Matthew's development and Matthew coming to Christ, the first Bible story, Bible account of Matthew chapter 8, is Jesus healing someone who had leprosy. If you were a leper at that time, it was this contagious skin disease. It was a death sentence. People from leprosy never came back. They were taken to leper colonies where they would live, and they slowly died a very painful and horrific death. But this leper was healed, which maybe made Matthew wonder if there might be healing for him. The very next one was a Roman centurion who came to Jesus. Well, that was Matthew's boss. The Roman government was Matthew's boss. And as much as they hated Matthew, they hated the Roman government more. So if there was compassion for a Roman centurion, my boss, maybe there's compassion for the employee. And then the next one is when there was someone who was a quadriplegic, couldn't use their arms or his legs. He had to have four friends bring him in. And when someone was sick like that, there was this misunderstanding that that person must have done something to get God mad. That's why God struck them down like that and caused them to live that way. So as these friends brought him to Jesus and they dug through the roof and they lowered him down, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth, I tell you, your sins are forgiven. And then after some people were unhappy that Jesus was just forgiving sins, he said, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and go home? But so that you may know I have the power to forgive sins, pick up your mat and go. And the man did. And so Matthew saw something that he didn't think was possible. And that was redemption for a sinful, isolated heart that would come through Jesus. And on this day, chapter 9, on this day, Jesus now came to someone else who was not worthy of forgiveness and invited him to follow him. In case you're wondering, forgiveness is for everyone. Everyone. Even Matthew. Especially Matthew. And how did he get there? 
He got there from hearing Jesus' words. And, and those of you who are being confirmed today, as you stand here, you are standing here with Jesus. And Jesus, each one of us today, each person in this room, stands in our tax collector's booth. And, and the invitation is to each and every one of us. But especially you four, understand how you got here. You got here from parents who love and care about you, who brought you to baptism. Jesus came to you. Crosswalk kids, Sunday school, Christian day school, whatever way it was through a family that shared devotions and read God's word. Jesus came to you and offered forgiveness to you. On our sheet, Luke chapter 19, Jesus makes it clear. That's for everyone when he says, Jesus said to him, this was to a different tax collector. This was a tax collector named Zacchaeus, but still applies. He says, today's salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. He's forgiven. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The reason why you are here today. How did I get here today? Jesus came and found me. So, some of my favorite commercials right now are those AT&T commercials with the guy and the little kids around him. And he's at, you know what I'm talking about? He's asking them some questions, some real simple, simple ones. Is it better to be faster or slower? Would you rather have a big tree house or a small tree house? Which is better, more or less? And the answers the kids give are just hilarious, right? Well, the whole premise of that commercial is to show it's not complicated. I'd rather be faster. Give me the big tree house. Between more and less, I I want more. Now, in a little bit, you're going to be standing up here, guys, and uh, we're going to ask you if if you want to follow Jesus. And you know what? From what you heard Pastor Dan just say, it's not complicated. And here's why. Let me give you a little example. Maybe you heard... What Dwayne Wade did recently, Dwayne Wade is the, uh, the real famous basketball player in the Miami Heat, probably one of the most famous in the NBA. And listen what, what happened. There was this senior girl in high school, high school prom, and she asked Dwayne Wade to come to prom through some videos, right? Never thinking in a million years that he would show up. And you know what? He gave her a call on the night of her prom and said, hey, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it, but I just want to wish you a good night. And so she was shocked by that. And as they were talking, in walks Dwayne Wade to her prom. Can you imagine her face? Oh my goodness! You know? In her high squealy voice, which I can do. And so he walks over to her, Dwayne Wade from the Miami Heat, and gives her a hug and shuts off the cell phone and then says, Would you like to dance? What do you think she said? I got a boyfriend? What boyfriend, right? It's Dwayne Wade. So here's the thing is that, you know, she had every reason to want to go to prom with Dwayne Wade, right? I mean, he's a famous basketball player. What reason does Dwayne have to go with her? Not She's an ordinary senior girl at prom, right? And it's the same with Matthew. Matthew had nothing to offer Jesus. Jesus, I'm a tax collector. Do you, do you realize what I've done? I'm a nobody. My, my, look at my past. But yet Jesus walks right up to him at the tax collector's booth and says, Matthew, follow me. 
And Matthew's thinking, this is the same Jesus who healed the paralytic, the same Jesus who healed the leper, the same Jesus who's the son of God? And he wants me to follow him? That's way better than Dwayne Wade, right? You know what the relationship between Matthew and Jesus is really cool right away. What, what do we see? Matthew throws a party, invites his tax collector friends, and right away Matthew gets challenged because the Pharisees come up and they speak to Matthew and the other disciples. And they say, why is Jesus hanging out with these losers, these sinners, these tax collectors? And you know what Matthew probably was thinking? Good question, Pharisees. I'm, I don't know. Here's Jesus, this, this awesome, perfect guy, and I don't know why he's hanging out with me, but it's pretty cool. But before the disciples or Jesus could say anything, because if you notice, the question was directed at the disciples, but who speaks up? Jesus does. Now, Jesus could have sold Matthew out, right? He could have been like, oh, I'm, I'm hanging out with Matthew because uh, uh, we're using his money to uh, host the party, and I've kind of got to hang around this guy, Okay. But no, I kind of picture in my head that, that Matthew or the other disciples are about to talk, and Jesus comes up, and he's like, I got this. And he looks at the Pharisees, and he says, I'm with them. Isn't that what he was really saying is, I've come not for the righteous, but for the sinners. I'm with them. Jesus had their back. How great do you think that made Matthew feel? Thinking that he was the scum of the earth, and yet Jesus wants him to follow him. And it's not just for For Matthew, look at at the next verses I put on the notes. And this comes from the book of John. If you look at verse 66 in John 6, we see that actually some of the disciples, not the 12 here, but some of the disciples did leave Jesus. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. But then we see Peter, right? You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, when things got a little rough and some of the disciples left, Peter was thinking, what are you guys doing? It's like back to those AT&T commercials, right? Do you want to be faster or slower? And, And those guys who left him, they chose slower. Do you want the big tree house or the small tree house? Those guys who left Jesus, they chose the small tree house. You want to follow the one who gives eternal life? Or do you want to go against that and follow a path that leads to eternal death? And that's what they chose. And Peter was thinking, it's not complicated, Jesus. And why isn't it complicated? Because, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. You don't just heal someone's body. You heal their soul for eternity. Jesus, you are the Holy One, meaning you are God. To whom else shall we go to? And you know what? For you and me, it's not complicated either. When we know how much Jesus loves us, when we know that we were sitting at our own personal tax collector's booth, and Jesus came up and he looked you right in the eye, and he looked you right in the eye, and he said, Hi, I'm Jesus. I'm the Savior of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I love you. And you know how I proved my love for you? I died on a cross for you, and to prove my power, I rose from the grave so that one day you'll rise from the grave too, and you'll be with me forever. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. 
I heal people's bodies, and I heal their souls. I'm the Savior. Follow me. Not complicated, right? This is an awesome day for you guys, and it's not complicated because we know who Jesus is, and we know it was nothing because of us, but all because of his love for us. So why don't you write on the third point, why am I here today? Not complicated. To respond to Jesus' invitation. As I was standing over there, it occurred to me, I was confirmed 32 years ago. My goodness, that's a long time ago. And I I try to remember, think about what I remember from that day. And I do have some memories. One of them is my hairdo. I had had a fro going on. It was awesome. If you ever get a chance to see that picture, that one's worth seeing. Thanks, Mom, for the perm. Anyways, that Matthew remembered this day because it was a good day. But then what followed that day was complicated. There were good days and there were bad days. That, that as Matthew was leaving his, his tax collector's booth, he was leaving his means of income. On the sheet, it, it says this, John 12 Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And when you look at this this idea of hating and, and serving, as Matthew was at his tax collector's booth, and Jesus said, follow me, and then Jesus kept walking, Matthew had to make a decision. And the decision was either to follow Jesus or to stay at the tax collector's booth. Because you can't do both. You can't kind of follow and then kind of go back. And so Matthew needed to hate being a tax collector. Which means he needed to be willing to leave that behind in order to follow Christ. It was Jesus who said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, has no place to lay his head, which means he didn't have a place to live. He didn't have a house. Uh, Sometimes he stayed at people's homes, but a lot of times they'd stay outside. And I wonder, (laughs) I have to believe there were some nights as Matthew was laying outside in the cold Judean night, knowing that his old house and bed uh, were back, thinking, what did I do? Seriously? Uh, a little following remorse, maybe? Or maybe when Jesus was arrested, that he, that he, and then he ran away, and wondered, my goodness, what did I do? Or as he watched Jesus be crucified, there were some really bad days and hard days that would follow once he, even though he made the decision to follow Jesus, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. And for you, you will remember this day. But as I look back at, at, at the day that I was confirmed, I don't remember the, the day nearly as much as I remember events in my life, both low and high points that have come since. The same will be true of you.
This is a great day, and this is a day to celebrate, and this is a day to follow. But understand that we are going wherever Jesus goes, and sometimes where Jesus goes and where Jesus leads me is not where I would necessarily choose to go. In John 1.50, he says this to to Nathanael, another uh, disciple that he called. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So there is this difficulty, a reality in our lives that it will be difficult, but then there's this promise that that Matthew would also see great things. And he did. A front row seat to to the Son of God coming to this world and and helping people. A front row seat uh, to the resurrection that that first Easter night. Matthew was one of the disciples uh, gathered together and Jesus appeared to them on that first Easter to tell them he is alive. Crazy. It was crazy the things that Matthew was able to see. Ups and downs, but all part of following where Jesus leads. And so as we consider this where we follow, my encouragement to you, but to all of us, is understand when when we follow Jesus where Jesus leads, we were never meant to do it alone. Jesus has made us part of a church. The Holy Christian Church is all believers of all time who are part of the body of Christ, but who are meant to follow together and support one another. And one example of of a way this week that that we have an elder of of our congregation really crystallized in, in an email that he sent out to the people in his area what exactly this looks like. And I'm going to read it for you right now. And it says, Greetings, my brothers and sisters. I'm writing you today with a heavy heart and felt it necessary to send out a communication to all of you in the West Valley area. As some of you know, I am a Phoenix police officer. One of my brothers, an officer, was killed this week and he was struck by a vehicle. Tomorrow, I and many other officers will be attending his five-year-old daughter's kindergarten graduation to support both his daughter as well as his wife because he was abruptly torn from their family. Later this week, I will be burying my brother, my brother officer, alongside my other fellow officers. As I look back on this week, we lost a Phoenix firefighter as well. Additionally, many children were violently taken, taken from their families in the tornado that hit Oklahoma. If this was not enough, many people are grief-stricken in Texas for the loss of their loved ones during yet another tornado disaster. As I look back on these tragedies, I cannot help but feel that many of us who are hurt tend to pull back and hold in our feelings. We hide how we feel and begin the isolation process. In order to cope, we tend to push others away and prefer to mourn by ourselves. This can be the case in other hurtful events such as divorces, child custody disputes, health conditions, financial issues, and you fill in the blank. I completely understand that these are normal feelings. However, I would urge you to focus your attention on God's promises. God encourages us to come together in times of trouble. And writes in Matthew 18, verse 20, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. 
This is not to say that our Lord is not with us when we are alone. However, he encourages us to seek him and the help of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. He further encourages us by writing, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Yes, it is very apparent that the day of judgment is quickly approaching. My friends, we are in the end times. For those who are currently not experiencing personal tragedies, I would also encourage you to reach out to brothers and sisters in the West Valley as well as others within Crosswalk Church. It is our duty as Christians to help support those who are hurting in life and to pick them back up. This is my favorite part. Growth groups are one of the ways we are able to help come together as a family and to gather together in the name of the Lord. He was not paid to do that. I just want to make that clear. August will be quickly approaching, and if you have not had the privilege of attending a growth group, please strongly consider it. New groups are forming in August, and for more information, please refer to both the bulletin, the program, as well as the website. We are all here for each other, and if I can be of any assistance to you, any of you, please never hesitate to call me or email me. I will certainly speak with you if I am able. To close, although there are many tragedies occurring in our present age, take heart. Jesus tells us, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I look forward to joining all of you at our final destination in heaven. While through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we will be at peace and there will be no more mourning or troubles. In your blank, you can fill it in, follow where Jesus leads me. But don't follow alone. Understand that as you make these confessions that are very individual, they are a confession that is also common. And it's one that we share. And today what we're going to do is you'll have an opportunity to do them individually, but we're also going to have an opportunity to confess the faith together. Jesus is coming today to each one of us in our own private tax collector's booth with this invitation to follow. And it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit lead you to follow wherever Jesus leads. So before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we can easily ask that question, how did we get here today? And any way that we look at it, we realize it's through your grace and mercy. Uh, Whether we are brought here by our own sin or guilt, or whether we're here being fed, uh, knowing that Jesus has taken away our sins, Lord, you have brought us here. And so, Lord, fill us with your promises. Uh, Help us to go forward one day at a time, knowing that you are with us. And so, Lord, help us to follow where you lead, but help us to follow closely, because we need you every step of the way. Also today, please bless those, both 201 graduates and and the 
uh, four uh, kids who are being confirmed today. Thank you for working faith in their heart. And may your Holy Spirit continue to be active here at Crosswalk through the preaching of your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.